When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It is Wednesday. It's midweek. We are inching closer to Saturday. Nebraska, Penn State, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you can join us. Numbers to dial up 466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Get us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can email Chris at City. So, a lot to get into with the Nebraska program and specifically, you know, what type of bounce back is realistic for Saturday for this Nebraska offense, for the team, and what the heck is up with Penn State? How broken are they? And uh, do they get out of their own way themselves uh, on Saturday as they make a, a road trip to Lincoln. Got the numbers. We will talk with Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Babber's going to talk some Big Red with us in 20 minutes. Mike Shuhart, Shuey, we'll talk about some of that Augusta magic. It is Masters Week. That is going to be awesome. Brad Edwards on college football. And there's just been a slew of cancellations due to COVID down in the SEC. So that sucks. And you've got one hitting close to home with the Big Ten, with uh, Ohio State and Maryland. So in hour two, Brad Edwards with us. And then uh, a sit-down with uh, former Penn State quarterback and assistant coach and part of the Board of Trustees with Penn State football and son of Joe Paterno. Jay Paterno is with us at 525. We'll get his take on COVID and if there's any worry or danger. You just never know. With this stupid pandemic, uh, what can happen? What can spike? So let's do a little bit of math here with the fact you've had eight or nine Maryland players come down with COVID, and that has forced the cancellation of Ohio State and uh, Maryland. And I was I was really quite honestly anxious to see that ball game because Ohio State's been giving up points to about everybody. Not enough to make them sweat because they're still scoring half a hundred. But Rutgers put up almost 30. Penn State put up a pretty good point total. I mean, Ohio State's been out, been able, and Nebraska put up 17. Obviously, Nebraska could have had, could have, should have, would have, but could have had, you know, 24 to 28 points there. Nebraska's offense did well against Penn State at times. But uh, the reality is this uh, you have an Ohio State team that their, their defense isn't last year's defense and they've just been able to outscore people and 
no one's had an answer against that that Ohio State offense. And Rutgers, the way they're they're on all cylinders right now, man, this is this is rough for them, for little Tua. And for that Maryland offense that's been crushing people, Funk, the running back, right? The mullet that can fly. And that uh, Maryland defense. So disappointed I wasn't going to see that. But I do not think you, you need to freak out or worry. We're talking to you at 410 Central on a Wednesday uh, with any, any issue with Penn State kids and COVID because they just played Maryland. That's the ultimate fear that you have as a Nebraska fan is, uh uh-oh, if Maryland's got all this COVID, is Penn State poising or on the verge uh, of an outbreak? Is, Is the game Saturday in jeopardy? There's been no hint of that at all. And what you do have right now, and this was reported around 145, by the uh, state paper for Penn State, or I should say the the college newspaper, Onward State. Uh, So this is from their student newspaper. Six more Penn State student-athletes have tested positive for COVID. Uh, Penn State made that announcement today, all right, a little bit earlier, about an hour and a half, two hours ago. But they aren't saying it's six football. So six could be three volleyball, two hoops players, one football. We don't know the specifics. We'll talk with uh, Jay Paterno here in about an hour and a half. You, ne- you, you never know, but Elijah, feel pretty good that I don't think the game is in jeopardy. You're going to roll this back to me about you know uh, four forty-five on on Friday if things drastically change and and hammer me. I know you will, but right now things seem okay for Nebraska Penn State on Saturday. And I know even within the uh, Nebraska Athletic Department, it's still planning on going on as planned. Uh, from my time in Husker Vision, I know that it's still planning on Husker Vision people going. So you've in not gotten a text, buy some more beer and stay home. I have not gotten anything even close to, hey, just in case this game this weekend is uh, is getting canceled. Nothing like that. I, I am a hundred percent confident that we're going to have the home opener on Saturday. I, I shouldn't say hundred percent because it's twenty twenty. I should say ninety eight percent confident. <laughs> You know, this game Saturday is, man, there's so much on the line. And when I look at Nebraska and I think of just how 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 will Nebraska react to a game they probably should have won Saturday? Do they go back to work even better? Do they go back to work even harder? Are they going to clean up? Uh, not a perfect defensive performance, but a good defensive performance. I think you can say that as a Nebraska football fan. That hey, the defense played uh, very well. They played absolutely well enough to win. The offense needs to get figured out. Tempo needs to be a reality for Nebraska. And and when I look at Penn State, and we'll hear a little bit more from Coach Chenander here shortly because we. Spent a lot of time on Lubick yesterday, and we got we got pretty lucky yesterday, honestly, with Coach uh, Kaczynski jumping on with this and, and Dr. Rob Zadiska. So their points of view, along with Mitch Sherman, were, were tremendous. But, you know, I, I think this, and, and Penn State has some really good talent at wide receiver. Penn State's got an experienced quarterback, all right? But Penn State doesn't have a run game. Penn State's offensive line isn't playing good football. Uh, 13 sacks in three games. And, and if I'm Coach Chenander and I'm these outside linebackers and I'm Nebraska's front seven, you are, you are getting set up. And I know Penn State, from a star-ranking recruiting standpoint, has got 
supposedly dudes across the offensive line and and experience, okay? But all that being said, if I'm Nebraska's offensive line and I've got this type of funk on a position group, they'll either respond or die, right? Uh, the way things have gone, uh, if I'm Nebraska, I am you always want to get after the quarterback, but damn it, I make sure I do get home. Nebraska was about two or three steps, two or three counts late. It's not that they didn't pressure Northwestern. They did, and they did in the second half, quite honestly, on some third downs. Nebraska got off the field and got the football back to Northwestern more times than not, right, uh, last, last Saturday. And you had Caleb Tanner right there. You had a middle linebacker blitz right there by by Reimers. You had some Colin Miller heat. You had some interior pressure by Ty Robinson. But you didn't you had some pressures, you had some hurries, you had a lot of hits, right? Where you where you tried to break Ramsey, but you didn't get any sacks. Okay. Excuse me. You had one. You had one sack on a on a blitz by Reimer. Okay. But Nebraska, there is blood in the water with this Penn State offensive line. There's blood in the water with this Penn State offense in general, where they're going to hit some big plays. But they, I mean, they're going the wrong direction here. If we're looking at the the line, it's not trending up. It's not flat. It's going from high to low, and and they're they're averaging maybe about 27 points a ball game. And most of that came in the first game where it was a shootout against Indiana. They are really fragile, confidence-wise. Penn State is. Uh, I don't know where Nebraska's at, but their confidence level's got to be questioned a little bit with some specific kids that may be fighting for their job on on this week of practice. But I tell you what, Elijah, if I'm Nebraska and, and I'm Chenander, uh, Penn State's wideouts are good, but how physical are they? Uh, try and beat the hell out of them and just – it, maybe it's kitchen sink time. You're leading rusher for Penn State's the quarterback because your your first and second team running back aren't there. You got some third team guy that didn't shake Saquon. I, I would just get after him and bring the heat, and you can live or die by the sword when it comes to blitzing. But, man, there's a lot of tape out there where people have lit up this quarterback, and I'd try and follow suit. From a trend standpoint, teams have had success beating the crap out of Penn State with pressure. Now, does Nebraska need to bring extra pressure? That's the question. Even if so, I'd roll the dice with a little bit this weekend. The game this reminds me of, and it's hard to compare season to season, especially in this weird year that we've had, uh, but it, this makes me think of that game last year against Purdue. You, you're coming off the, the loss to Indiana the week before where it's coulda, shoulda, woulda beat them. Uh, on paper, Nebraska had a better team than Indiana last year. I you just played still. horrible and executed worse. Just like a Nebraska, year ago, just like Nebraska did last year, last weekend and last last week or yeah. last last year, and, and then you're you're coming back against a team that is now trending downwards, like Purdue was last year, and, and really should be beatable. This this Penn State team, I mean, you saw it last week against Maryland. They're a very beatable team, uh, despite what the the preseason ranking said. What all the preseason experts said, this Penn State team is not as good as they were last year. And I felt the same way against Purdue last year. And what did Nebraska do last year against Purdue? They came out and they laid an egg. They got cute. They got too bleeping cute last year against Purdue. And they jumped out 10 nothing. What did Purdue do? They outcoached Nebraska in the second half and said, all right, bro, we're going to run our slow quarterback, who's third team, by the way, on some quarterback keeps because no one was doing their job on the edge. Different year, 
different edge for Nebraska. I think you and I both feel a lot better about Nebraska's mm-hmm. edge play, uh, whether that's uh, you know uh, Henrik in an outside backer or or Garrett Nelson or Tanner or Valdarius Payne or or pick somebody. The outside linebacker has been fine. They just have they got home on 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 pressures and, and knows the answer. The key for Nebraska this week is to not see a t- an zero and three team. No. On the schedule next year. You got to look and say, this is still Penn State. This is still a Penn State team that was preseason top 10. And that's how you got to prepare for the week. You, you can't go into it thinking, oh, this is an 0-3 Penn State team. They're down on their luck. Their offensive line's bad. Because that's whenever you're going to get punched in the mouth. I don't think that's been the message at all. Oh, definitely not. I mean, and in, in, in publicly, that's not been the message. But I think privately, it's been hammered and hammered and drilled and drilled. By Nebraska saying, look, dude, these guys are no joke. They should be a college football playoff team. Now, from a body language standpoint, you know, Nebraska, there, there's been some talk of, well, we want some more enthusiasm from Coach Frost. Listen, leave, leave Scott alone with the enthusiasm side of things because you can't have it both ways. You can't whine about a coach's enthusiasm, whether it's Riley or Frost, and then pile on if – if Bo's making faces on the sideline, just look at the look at the scoreboard, right? Okay, and you know Nebraska, I, I think, is mad, pissed, and we'll see if they go back to work. It may not matter. Penn State may put it together, and they, they out talent Nebraska. But if Penn State just kind of limps in and has already said screw it, let's go on to twenty twenty one. And by the way, Nebraska may be doing that too. Not saying screw it, but looking to 2021 when it comes to their young kids, some of the younger guys on the roster that have flashed, getting them a, a seasoning season, okay, and and away you go. I mean, that that's kind of the, the topic of conversation too for Saturday when it comes to McCaffrey. Do you have a changing of the guard at quarterback? Uh, what are you doing here at the wide receiver position? Do you lean more and let some of those young guys at wide out that are playmakers and really good ball players and have potential to be stars and, and difference makers, uh, do you let them go out there and, and, and take their lumps defensively? I mean, you know, and Chenander, we'll hear from him in a second. Guys got to fight and keep their job this week. And some of the upperclassmen have played good football. But are some of your younger guys just better? Are they just better football players? Are they better athletes? Is there more upside with them? Can they give you the same thing and more at some of these key spots? Let's hear from – go ahead. Look what Luke Reimer did last week. No, I know. But here's the thing. I thought Honus played great football. Yeah, exactly. I thought Honus played great football. I thought Reimer played good football. I don't think Miller's been bad. But honestly, I think – I mean, I'm taking Reimer for sure, all right? But if, 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 if Honus is healthy, I thought he played really well. And, and this is not fair because overall, I think Miller's played pretty well. But I think Miller's missed some pretty key tackles and some pretty key moments. No one's perfect. There's, other, there's 10 other guys on the field to help out. But I'm saying on some of those runs that were ripped off, it's been Miller in the middle. Yeah, and it's not that he's been playing so awfully he deserves to be yanked. No, I know. I think, but, I but think there's that is, much talent. There, there's, exactly. a three-man per, there's a three-man rotation. There's three good answers. Exactly. And that's what I think we saw towards the end of the game at the wide receiver position, too. Is Are some of those wide receivers getting open? Yeah, but they're not the explosiveness. They're not the uh, the the energy that guys like Marcus Fleming and Xavier Betts well, are, are going to be bringing can, to Can Fleming team. and Betts break a tackle and take something to the house mm-hmm. versus... 
a walk-on wide receiver making a catch, and sweet, it's an eight-yard gain. Is it 28, or do you just take the eight? Do we have time here for Chin? Uh, yeah. All right, here is Coach Chinander about response and what he's seen this week. You know, there's a lot of positives to take. There's there's some, definitely some things to correct, and part of that's just starting the game faster in both halves. Uh, we tackled well, except for, uh, you know, we missed a couple uh, where guys tried to get on ESPN in the second half and, and blow somebody up. But um, other than that, the, the, the team tackling was pretty well. Um, it was great to see some young kids get some action in there. You know, there's a lot of guys that are earning opportunity. We talked to the, the, the defense yesterday that, you know, I'm not looking to bench people. I'm not looking to scare anybody, but there's a lot of young guys that are earning a lot of opportunity and they need the, they need the reps. And however you practice this week is going to determine how many reps those young guys get and how many reps those older guys get. We definitely saw guys, and you guys know who they are, Miles Farmer, Quentin Newsom, um, Luke Reimer, um, Jordan Riley got back in the game. Some of the outside linebackers um, affected the game probably more in their snaps than, than others. So it's going to be a it's going to be a good week of practice, and guys know that the uh, you know it's it's on the line. All right, we'll get more Independence State, Nebraska. Excited to talk to Mike Babcock next. to Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back, fellas. I think we could listen to the radio on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for spending time on a Wednesday. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Part of that Penn State history and a preview on the Nittany Lions coming up from Jay Paterno. He's an author. He's a trustee and uh, part of that Penn State coaching staff for a lot of years. Mike Shuard shortly. We welcome in a man that's been around Nebraska football for four decades, Mike Babcock. Uh, with HaleVarsity.com and magazine at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers Penn State Week, how you feeling? Well, you know, we still need to review that uh, that pass completion in the 82 game. <laughs> Those two, actually. Uh, get that squared away. No, I think you're right. And if you're Penn State fan, are you still screaming about the goal line call in 2012? Yeah, probably so. Probably so. But they're wrong, and I'm right. No, so. I love it. Were you at that game in 82? Yes, yes. Were you on the sideline? I mean, I'm not not doubting me. I knew you were there, but we're like, you know, at the end of games, traditionally, we're all gathered in one of the end zone corners. Right? Yeah, traditionally, uh, that's the case. But uh, it seems to me, my recollection is no, that I, it seems like I was in the press box, but uh, um, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a long enough time ago that I don't. Uh, I don't remember. Well, I got I got You do remember, I'm sure, the the aftermath of that game, uh, 1982, Nebraska, Penn State. I know that Nebraska did a great job of coming back in the second half. That game was just on, not long ago on BTN, and you had the the fourth and eleven sideline pass from uh, Penn State's quarterback. Uh, God, he was drafted by the Chiefs. Help me out. He's on TV. He's an analyst. Oh, Blackledge? Yeah, Todd Blackledge. I just had it on the tip of my tongue. So Blackledge gets that gift, and then with, like, no time left, there's the uh, mother of all traps in the end zone. And Nebraska's yeah. defense played great. You had a really good game from, from uh, Rozier, and, and Gill really was great in the second half. But what was... What do you remember from Coach Osborne and Coach McBride? And Charlie's still pissed about that game, but just in your interactions uh, with those guys, with that team back then, after that 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 moment, I mean, that was that was uh, for for a spot in the national championship uh, the last weekend of September. 
Well, yeah, that, that's true. And if Nebraska won that, probably Nebraska plays for the national championship, maybe is the national champion that year. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, my recollection, and this is just a generic kind of a recollection, but, you know, Tom uh, and Charlie both were always very uh, – uh, uh, they they did the right they they handled it in a proper way they did the right thing um, after games and so I don't I, I don't recall that Tom was you know just uh, going ballistic on on anything by the time he came to the uh, to the post game stuff but uh, and, and Charlie was kind of the same way you know they 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 did the right thing I I thought they conducted themselves pretty well in all those situations but. Um, boy, that was a that was really a tough thing. Two plays, like you pointed out, there a lot of people remember the one; they don't remember the second one. Um, either one of those things could have uh, could have given Nebraska the win and uh, sent Nebraska on to a national championship because that was obviously a national championship caliber team. Mike Babcock's with us. Penn State, Nebraska. This week's always been interesting between '82 and 2011. Uh, some just just snot knocker games with these two teams and Mike, what what's your read? We'll get to the quarterback question here in a little bit, but I want to I want to get your take on just two teams that are just dying for a win. Nebraska's zero and two, Penn State's zero and three. And what are you expecting Saturday? Well, uh, first of all, I'm hoping for a game and expecting a game. And I, you know, it's you, you've already addressed that, but mm-hmm. it, you know, this is a day-to-day thing because of COVID. Um, but, uh, you know, you got uh, two teams, as you pointed out, that are, that are both uh, think that they should be probably a little, little better than, than they are right now. I mean, going into the season, who would have thought that uh, when this game came up that neither of those teams would have won a game? Um, there's no way you would have expected that. So um, I, I think that, uh, you know, if the game's played, uh, Penn State comes in here very focused. I think Nebraska has got to have to be very focused. You know, we got the coaches talking about open competition during during the week in practice. Um, very uh, fired up team, I, I would expect to to see on the field on Saturday. Mike, where do you think this game is won and lost on Saturday? Is it the offensive side of the ball? I know we've seen um, just a stagnant offense. Uh, kind of since the second half of the Ohio State game, uh, but the defense has been playing well. Where, where do you think that the uh, this game is going to be decided on Saturday? Well, I think for you know one thing, Elijah, is that the, that the offense cannot continually hurt itself. You know, uh, you can't self destruct. I mean, Nebraska has penalized nine times in in the Northwestern game. Six of those are on offense. Four of those are false starts. I think the other two are holding penalties. You, you can't. You get 28 first downs. You get 440 some yards, and and you don't you 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 don't get more than uh, 13 points. I mean, it, it, that's where it has to happen. Is you just have to do what you're supposed to do, and not continually undo things that uh, that you accomplish. I mean, it. You know, uh, Adrian Martinez has uh, two nice runs on that drive. Gets mm-hmm. down there and then throws an interception. Um, Nebraska gets down to uh, what? Uh, what is it? Your uh, goal to go, uh, and uh, you throw a pass. It hits the. It hits your right tackle on the back of the helmet. 
glances off and it gets intercepted. I mean, you, you can't just do fundamental things right. And I think you've got the talent, the ability to be successful. So offense, you know, don't, don't shoot yourself in the foot constantly. Mike Babcock's joining us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, with the quarterback spot, what is your feel for Saturday uh, behind center, knowing Coach Frost like you do, covering him like you did, and he's sensitive, and he's sensitive to the right things. He's sensitive to, to each kid he's recruited, but he's also sensitive to the, the greater good of the team. What's going to help this offense and how do you think Saturday is handled at the quarterback spot? Well, you know, somebody, I think, so two games into the season and one unexpected off week, um, I don't know if that's enough for the veteran quarterback, you know, the guy that started 23 games. The experience that Adrian has uh, is enough to, to say, you know, we're going to go with we're going to go with Luke to start the game. I mean, I, it seems like, Maybe you you've got a little bit more time to decide whether that's the case or not. I, you know, it's it's a, it's a tough thing, and and I'll I'll probably be wrong about that. But but I I think that he, you know, it, it's it's not that he's playing favorites. I I just think that he, you know, the value of experience is 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 part of the equation here, and and I think that that's that's probably going to be that. That weighs in obviously in, in Adrian's favor, um, but I think you've also got to get you got to get the Luke an opportunity. You know, I I look the way Osborne always always did things with quarterbacks, and you know this makes the '97 Central Florida game come up again. Mm-hmm. But but you know uh, Tom would say, well, we're going to get the number two quarterback in there in the first half um, when it mattered. You know, we're going to get him that kind of experience. And you know, I get the, I get the feeling that that you know, if if that's was to happen, um, if you were to start Adrian, um, even at some point in the first half, you're going to get Luke in there because you want him to have the experience and you want that, you know, want you want that development. But to me, that's the the experience thing is is still probably weighing in in Adrian's favor. Mike, instead of asking what do you think Scott Frost is going to do, I want to ask your personal opinion. If you were Coach Frost this week, who do you think you would give the nod to come Saturday? Um, I think for the reason that I just said that I probably would give the nod to Adrian to start the game again because I don't want – again, we're, we're just – we're two games into this weird season, and and I don't want either quarterback to think that – you know, I'm going to give up on somebody um, if if that's what it would seem like, and maybe it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, be after two games, after what I've seen in two games, um, if that makes any sense. So I probably would go with Adrian to to start the game. Although, again, you know, there's a lot of passion for for Luke, obviously, and you know that's the old that's the that's the cliche. You know, the most popular guy in town is the backup quarterback. Um, but uh, I go with experience first and, and give him a shot. Now, if it doesn't work out, you know, three games in, four games in, you know, maybe it's time to make a change. But having said all that, you know, Scott Frost said, hey, it's an open competition this week. Um, I believe that the, it has to be that way 
And so if, if Luke has looked better in practice, which we don't see, so we don't know how that goes, if Luke has been obviously better in practice and that counteracts the experience that Adrian brings, then, then you go with Luke. But I think probably I, I, I'd probably go with Adrian. Mike Babcock's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. You know, there's so many different elements playing in, and you nailed it with the practice, who's taking the reins and who's moving the football team. Can Adrian all of a sudden look like freshman year Adrian? And there's a lot of things that, that go into him uh, being able to perform at a high level. But just Babbers with about a minute left here, sure. do you think you'll see Nebraska – attack more downfield. I know that's been a topic of conversation, but it seems like the offense has been really hesitant to, to let their foot off the brake. Yeah, you know, that's important. And if you feel confident about it, that you can do it. And, I, you know, I think they would have done it already, but I don't think that the coaches feel confident to, to do that, you know, that that it's not entirely on the quarterback decision-making, and some of it could be that. But but I think you have to do that in order to for your offense to be successful. Um, and, you know, at some point, I think this offense needs to be the up-tempo thing that Scott Frost wants it to be. But, you know, he addressed that, and they're not feeling like they're ready. You know, one of the things he said is he don't doesn't want the defense on the field that much, but the defense is earning the respect that he that should put it in that position where, where you Still got you. Yeah. The, the defense is earning that respect. Mike Babcock with us. Uh, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers will uh, get caught up soon. Thanks for the insight. Thanks for the talk today. It was always fun to talk Nebraska-Penn State with you. Hey, thanks for having me. Be safe, guys. You too. There he is, Mike Babcock. Good to hear from him. Good to hear his take on things. Uh, appreciate him greatly. Shuey is going to join us. We'll talk Masters. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge. Hail Varsity continues on a Wednesday. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. That's some Husker Hoops news. Course two for the class for the mayor. Coach Hoiberg gets the uh, Japanese Steph Curry and another stud out of modern day. We'll tell you about two of the uh, Husker uh, signees and what happens Friday, perhaps. With a five-star, our five-star on the golf course, Mike Shuart out at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, you just ordered up another really nice Wednesday. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's a beautiful day. It is good, man. What's going on? Drop some putts. So the the video round Twitter was uh, a reenactment of Schmidt sculling one off the tee box. But instead of the the drive going and sinking in the water, this thing skipped across the water and turned into a hole-in-one. It was quite breathtaking and beautiful, and someday that will happen to me. What's the best, worst golf shot you've ever hit? Oh, best, worst shot? I was at uh, um, the L.A. Open on 18. Okay. And I hit it long and left. And I had to hit it kind of into the side of the hill, let it hit it out of the hill, try to bounce down on the green. And I kind of did it, but I half shanked it. It hit you short, got on the green, and it actually did go in the hole. And some guy out of the gallery jumped on my back and was screaming, <laughs> so it's like, if he only knew, I really wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> That's awesome. So did you give him a piggyback right up to the pin? Oh, yeah. That's good, man. 
That is so good. Mike Schuart's with us. So this is pretty awesome. It is Masters weekend. Of course, uh, you got Bryson's the favorite. Tigers remembering last year's incredible uh, resurgence. And you're going to have silence. What are you uh, anxious to see this uh, this weekend? And, and, of course, as things get teed off here on Thursday. Well, obviously the big story is Bryson and how mm-hmm. far he's going to hit it. So it's like everybody's anticipating him hitting these bombs out there. And so that'll be the one of the big shows. And he said himself, if he hits his driver really well, par on that golf course for him is 67. So that means he's going to shoot 20 under. That's what he said, if he drives it well. Mm. So it's like, well, we'll see. And he, he, he might be right. I mean, if conditions get like they're talking about, they're talking about a lot of rain, that's going to eliminate a lot of players out of field because it's going to be a, who hits it the farthest because the golf course is going to play so long. So you're going to have to have – you can't be hitting woods and long irons into those greens. So the guys that can hit it a long ways are going to definitely have an advantage. They will. And to, for your money, who's the best – who's the longest right now but the most accurate? I mean, who's, who's putting it together in, in this crazy COVID 2020? Bryson, no question. I mean, what he's doing power-wise and his ability to to hit it straight, but my money's on DJ. Okay. He's as long as straight. He's great. He's just a really good ball striker, and he's got tremendous amount of length, but he's got tremendous amount of accuracy as well. So, you know, my money's on him. They're both kind of the same players. I mean, it's going to kind of re- revolve around how well they putt. You know, they're both not the greatest putters, but they can putt really good at times. And DJ's been playing really good this year. Both of them have, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I, my favorite's DJ. He's been there. Mike Schwartz with us. Wilderness Ridge Golf is uh, where he's at. And uh, go get a drink and watch a little Masters out at Wilderness. Uh, what a spot to be at. Great weather as well. And, uh, Shuey, uh, a thought with, uh, with Augusta and – you know the folks down there at Augusta. What what do you think their take is on Bryson? Uh, I don't. I don't think they quite know yet. Okay. You, you got some of your old traditionalists that don't like it much, but it's the same thing that happened when Tiger came along back in '97. I mean, he just was hit it so far that they're like they didn't like that because it made their golf course too short. So then they went and did something about it, and they lengthened it all up. So it's like this is just another level of that. You know, they're going to run out of room pretty soon. But <laughs> I think Tiger kind of put him through that once. Now you got this other guy that's actually doing it even to another level than what Tiger did. So, But the, you got your old traditions that don't like the golf being, the golf course being overpowered like that. They like it playing like they're used to seeing it played. So – They'll be a little unhappy. But then you got your other generation that love it, man. It's just power, 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 mm-hmm. power. You know, so you got a mix of both. And some of them, they still think their golf course will hold up no matter how far he hits it, which it will. Mike, speaking of Tiger, he's traditionally been so good at Augusta. Got the win last year. Uh, and Augusta's, I mean, just with any golf course, it's not an easy place to go back-to-back. So what, what do you think of his odds this weekend? Uh, and just with the weather conditions, playing in late fall, uh, do you think it helps him? Do you think it hurts him? Uh, I'm a big Tiger fan, so. 
Tiger's always going to be tough there. I mean, you just look at the history of the tournament and you watch guys that that perform well there year after year that you wouldn't think should, like a Fred Couples. I mean, he doesn't perform in any of the other tournaments all that well, but you get him into the Masters, man, and he plays really well. A Tom Watson, you think he's over the hill, and all of a sudden he throws some really good rounds in there. It's it's such a golf course of knowledge. Mm-hmm. The more times you played it, you have to know where to miss it. You have to know how to maneuver your ball around that golf course so well. So the guys that have a lot of knowledge and have had a lot of success there, and it's just something about going through the gates down Magnolia Drive that just gets some of these guys in a whole different world. You know, they get so excited to play there. It's just a different place. So, I mean, I it would not surprise me one bit to see Tiger perform really well there. He knows it too well. Chewy, a thought on Saturday with Nebraska and Penn State. Things feel okay right now that there's not going to be any uh, any pause despite what's going on with Maryland, Penn State's last opponent. What do you want to see Saturday, man? I know that you are probably not real happy with the Northwestern loss. Can Nebraska get in the win column on Saturday against Penn State? No chance. They can't <laughs> in the win column anywhere. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, I just it just it drives me insane because they tell me one thing one week and then they do the complete opposite the next. So I just there's only one question I have that's that's just been perplexing to me and confusing to me this whole week is that three weeks ago you came out and said your two best players on your team are your two quarterbacks. You see the first half of Ohio state and you got both of them out there doing different things. Then you come to Northwestern and one of your supposedly best players doesn't set foot on the field until almost the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. That makes no sense to me. That'd be like me taking a team and setting my best player on the bench and not playing them. I don't get. I would never do that. Why would I do that? No, that's, that's the thing that's perplexing to me. So it's like, it's like you have to play your best players, don't you? I would think. Yeah, I would think. Mike, last thought here, about 15 seconds. What's on the TV at the Shuhart household come Saturday? Is it the Nebraska game or is it the Masters? Uh, it'll be a little bit of both until Nebraska does what Nebraska does, and then it'll be the Masters. <laughs> so so Shuey's like, I'm ready to hit the old jump button real quick. <laughs> Shuey, can't wait to see you again out at Wilderness. It was so much fun last Friday to be out there and uh, enjoy this weekend of football and golf, buddy. I will, man. Great weekend. Masters is always an awesome week, so exciting. Take care, buddy. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Reminder, we're going to be out on the road Friday at Piedmontese, the Mercado, the incredible butcher shop. So uh, if you're home gating on Friday, we invite you out for the weekend, of course. But get to Piedmontese, North 84th, kind of county corner from the Lancaster Event Center. The Mercado is Piedmontese is uh, just amazing butcher shop. Myself and Jay Moore going to be out there four to six. I will do a steak and a beer bet with Elijah Herbal uh, from a butcher shop, from a uh, a uh, a place where I can pick out a steak and a beer and be happy. And we can try and make this thing six and zero. Oh. 
And if you win, you're like, yeah, dude, I want that and that and that. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll f- hopefully we get a few more 55 uh, to upper, you know, lower 60 degree days here. And can can get the grill going. Uh, That'd be good for me as well, just because I need to pick up all the leaves in my yard still, and I've been waiting them. Like last week was it was a good week. You like, are you are just man trained into you about raking leaves, and I'm proud of you. I mean, I had to as a kid. I had to, the neighborhood. I was kind of the I, I tried to mow as many yards in the neighborhood. We had a few of the neighbors that were like, "Yeah, I want these leaves picked up, so mow them up." So it's pretty much vacuuming, and I hate it. My trees aren't old enough in my neighborhood. Uh, let alone my yard, to to worry about a ton of leaves. Ah, uh, see, I got about three inches of leaves. You, you in my probably have right like now. these like fifty year old oak trees yeah. that are just sweet. Uh, reminder about uh, homes, and how about your friends at West Blue Realty? You want a home with some character, no doubt, and they can help you find one in Lincoln and the surrounding communities in Lincoln with West Blue Realty. When you mention Hale Varsity, your friends at West Blue Realty can give you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Who do you need to call? Well, there's two folks at West Blue that are great and can help. Tom Luby at 402-540-3768. Or give Kelly Hofschneider or in Kelly's Outstanding as well at 402-202-2312 for Kelly. But uh, westbluerealty.com, log on, get an appointment, uh, get with them today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Okay, so coming up, Brad Edwards, no doubt, plenty a lot, plenty uh, to talk about with the title chase, the situation with Ohio State and Maryland, get his take on Nebraska, and uh, of course, Notre Dame, uh, their big win over Clemson. What's the playoff picture look like? Right now, you're not going to want to miss our sit-down with a uh, longtime uh, part of the Penn State program, Jay Paterno. Uh, you know who his dad was. You know, Jay uh, is an author and a member of the Penn State Board of Trustees. He came on with us when the Big Ten had shut things down with uh, the chancellors and presidents. So he was really good to, to, to give us quite a bit of time then, was... Uh, going to be great uh, to talk with you about 525 and get his take on Penn State. Just what, what the Nittany Lions are honestly dealing with. So Nebraska is loaded up, and we'll have more time on this next hour with the Husker recruiting class for, for basketball. But two signees, of course, you have uh, Wilhelm Breidenbach. He's out of California, number 53 player nationally in the class of 2021. And then what's really awesome here, you got the Japanese Steph Curry. We're talking over 50% for Toe May Nagua. Uh, 6'2". This guard can just drill threes at 50%. Uh, that, that was, thank God for Seamus sending me the phonetic breakdown of the last name. Uh, we'll call him Kesey. That's the first name. But yeah, Nebraska loading up from distance. More of Hale Varsity next hour. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. When I grow up, I want to be my little brother. 
Just texting him during the break here. And he's on a uh, Air Jordan splurge. Whenever I see a pair of Air Jordans uh, we see on Twitter or online that have been issued or reissued or he's he's all over him. Now, his wife is probably beating him right now as we speak or hiding the checkbook. But good for him, man. Adding to the 400 pairs of Air Jordan he already has. Someday a Schmidt will have a jump shot. All right, let's get into uh, some college football. We welcome in Insider with ESPN College Football and College Game Day. Brad Edwards with us at Edwards on Twitter. Brad, how good was Saturday night in South Bend? How you doing? Oh, doing great. That was a fun one. Um, I would say it was more competitive than I was expecting it to be. I thought it was a pretty good chance to be a one-possession game. But I, I thought ultimately that uh, Clemson just had – you know, too much athleticism for Notre Dame. And, and look, I, that may very well prove to be the case if they play again. Uh, but at least uh, for this night or for that night, uh, a depleted Clemson team didn't quite have enough to get past the Irish. And uh, it was fun to see the reaction. I mean, it was, it was kind of cringeworthy considering <laughs> yeah, <it> COVID <laughs> and, uh, and everything we're going through right now to see the, the storming of the field and the big mob of people out there. But if you know the history, you understood it, which was that Notre Dame had lost 19 of its last 20 games against top five teams. I think all throughout the week, you probably heard everybody say, I haven't beaten a number one team since 1993. We haven't played that many number one teams over that span. But when you get that greater perspective, 19 in the last 20 against top five teams, it just it, it says all you need to know about how much Notre Dame has fallen off as a program. Because if you can't even beat top five teams – you're not a contender for the national title. And, and so it, it, it explained everything you needed to know about where they are right now and, and how long it's been. And so whether Clemson was full strength, half strength, whatever, you know, it's not going to go down with an asterisk next to it, um, you know, in the, uh, in the records for the future. It's just going to say that, uh, that number one Clemson was beaten by number four Notre Dame and, uh, and, and it, you know, for that night, it was something to really celebrate for the Notre Dame fans and their players, and um, good for them. And you know what? Even if they don't beat Clemson in the rematch, as long as it's competitive, mm-hmm. it might be enough to get them in the college football playoff. We'll have to wait and see. Well, give me great college football games, Brad. That's what we want. That's what we love. Yeah, it. oh, absolutely. Right? And, and First of all, have them play. It'll allow them to be kicked off. And yeah. then second, have them be competitive. Well, and, and that's just it. And, I mean, after the, the fumble out of the end zone with Buck, I'm like, this thing's done. And Clemson's backup quarterback is great. I mean, that kid's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's so so poised. And the rest. So that's of the, the thing, Chris, yeah. is, that, is that Trevor Lawrence being out played a very very small part in that upset. I mean, it mm-hmm. it, it had to do with many other things. But I, I mean, he's one of the last guys you would hang that on. No, I know. I mean, he played phenomenal. And you know, uh, Brian Kelly's a Northern school. He's kind of been independent, and I know they're with the ACC now, but when you look at, at schools, I mean, and, and competition for who can get into the playoff, and it's been Ohio State, right? I mean, that's been the furthermost North school. And then I, uh, uh, Notre Dame's been in a couple, three years ago, right? It wasn't that long ago, but those are the two Northern schools. And then as, as a Big Ten school, you look at, all right, where's 
Nebraska or a Michigan. Well, you or, had Sparty in that one forgettable oh, yeah. performance, which you obviously forgot. <laughs> well, I was and going. I, I'm I, guessing that, most of the people in East Lansing would like to forget it. Ne- Nebraska still holds on to that because Nebraska is the only team aside from Bama to beat them that year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was crazy. But no, I mean, it's just. It, I think I think Brian Kelly's coached really well. I think he's recruited really really well. They had the one four and eight season, but he's never really again gone that direction they've been 10 or 9 or 10 wins and uh and then a playoff uh you know appearance and a national championship game appearance so i think he's doing well but the 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 job and the grumbling towards him is is that that volume's always pretty pretty loud which is too bad because i think he's done a good job give me your top five right now the the brad edwards top five i mean who who right now is just outside looking in and give me the four best teams. I would go with um, I would go with with Ohio State at number one and Alabama at two, and, and I'm taking the Buckeyes because of Alabama losing Jalen Waddle. Okay, um, I think he he was a major difference maker, and without him, I think Ohio State's offense is just a little bit better than Alabama's. So if they were to play, I would take the Buckeyes in a shootout um, because Alabama's missing a very key piece and will be for the rest of the year. Um, after that, I, I look, I, I would want to put Clemson third, but I think because of head-to-head, I've got to put Notre Dame third. It depends on what you're asking me to rank. You know, like if, if, if this is deserving, then I'm going Notre Dame three. You could even make a good case for Notre Dame two or one if, if you're going that way. But um, but um, I, I do think Clemson is the better team when both are at full strength, and I think they'll show that if they play again in the ACC championship game. But for now, based on the on-field result, I'll go with Notre Dame at three. And uh, I guess I'll put Clemson at four, and then I would put Florida at five. Okay. I think Florida is, a, is another one of those teams that just – is so good on the offensive side that you're going to have a, whole, a hard time holding them down. And um, they are very capable of knocking off Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, you know, Both teams have really good offenses. Both teams have had their issues on defense this season. And I would think that uh, that's a game that Alabama probably wins six or seven times out of ten. But – you know th- that window is open. One of those three or four times could come on that Saturday when they when they play, if, uh, assuming they do play in, in late December. And so I would I would stay tuned for that one because that's another one that could kind of change the the landscape of the playoff race. So Brad, what I'm hearing is no love for Zach Wilson in BYU. Well, what's going to take for them to make it into the college football playoff? Yeah, I think at this point it's pretty safe to assume BYU is going to go undefeated. They have two games left on the schedule, which sounds kind of crazy given <laughs> that the Pac-12 just started its season. They've got one game under their belts, and BYU's only got two remaining. But um, but that's all um, that's all they have left right now, unless they're able to you know, find someone and jam another game in there. But um, they they're going to be heavy favorites in both of those games, so they should finish ten and zero. The, the question is, what would they need to have happen uh, to, to even get in the conversation at the end? I, I do think that if Cincinnati goes undefeated and uh, there is, there's no cakewalk for them and they still have to go to UCF, to Tulsa, and then the American Championship game, if Cincinnati goes undefeated, I think they'll be ahead of BYU because they'll just, they'll just have more quality wins than BYU does. And Cincinnati's dominating teams, too, just like, just like BYU has been. Um, so I think that's the first thing. BYU needs Cincinnati to trip up somewhere. But beyond that, obviously both of those teams 
they they don't need a scenario where any of the ACC, Big Ten, and SEC has a a second team with a really good case. So um, I would say that look for starters, you know, they need Alabama and Ohio State to win out, and um, you know, everyone else in, in those two conferences is kind of you know left without a, a really good claim on a playoff spot. And then they're either going to need Notre Dame to win the rematch against Clemson or they're going to need Notre Dame to slip up some point before the ACC championship game, maybe lose at North Carolina, and then lose to Clemson. Or at that point, it probably doesn't even matter who wins the ACC championship game because the other team's going to have two losses. So um, I, I think stuff like that, of course, I mean, look, but even then, I mean, even with all that, and this just gives you an idea of what they're up against, there's still a chance for Miami to finish with one loss. There's still a chance for Texas A&M to finish with one loss. You're just completely disconnected from everything else. And would a BYU finish ahead of one of those teams? I I don't know. I mean, as, as, as dominant as they've been, that Boise State game, and you're talking about Boise with a, a second-string quarterback for a short time and then third-string quarterback mm-hmm. for the rest of the game, that's that's a tough sell. Brad Edwards with us, uh, College Football Insider with ESPN College Game Day at J. Brad Edwards. Brad, what's your take on Nebraska Northwestern, and what do you make of Penn State as what they were supposed to be versus what they are now? Man, they are they are reeling. Both teams, yeah. frankly, are reeling. Yeah, so Nebraska, you know, we talked about it last week, how I thought it was going to be a good measuring stick game for the program um, more in that if they weren't competitive, if they got blown out, this is going to be a, a, you know, like a major, okay, we, we got, got some serious questions to answer here moment. But that didn't happen, obviously. And, and, you know, you could be really pessimistic and say, okay, this looks like the same old thing all over again. But if you want to be optimistic, um, they just played a top 25 team down to the final play. So if you look at it from that perspective, then – you could say, okay, they're they're not that far away from you know from I'm not saying being look I, I realize the bar at, at Nebraska is always going to be much higher than being a top 25 team, mm-hmm. um, but that's the next step is is to get back to being a regular top 25 program and having that number to the left of your name every week, and um, if Northwestern is that right now, then I, I don't think Nebraska is necessarily a mile away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is this coming up week is one where I, I really feel like this is a must win for Nebraska. Uh, it sounds strange to say that, but but what we saw last week from Penn State, we saw a team that was just um, it basically completely had the life sucked out of them by the zero and two start, and you know whatever goals they had going into the season, whether that was playoff, uh, Big Ten championship, whatever. Once they lost Ohio State, they knew that was out the window, and they played like a team that had nothing left to play for against Maryland. And I don't know why why that would change this week. I mean, at this point, Penn State has nothing left to play for except for pride. And I feel like Nebraska, especially if we see a, a change at quarterback, has a little bit more motivation. Uh, you know, Nebraska is trying to build something. Okay, Penn State has built it. They're having a bad year, and it is what it is, and it's just they want to get it over with, erase that memory, and just start over in 2021. Um, Nebraska has an opportunity down the stretch, especially um, with this game not being unwinnable, like some people might have thought that it could be, you know, not too long ago. Uh, And then looking at the rest of the schedule, 
they can they can get a lot of positive out of this season if they can turn it around here. So I, I think it's a great opportunity for them. When it comes to the quarterback spot, that's where our attention is. Do you give Adrian a chance to bounce back, uh, or do you go with Luke McCaffrey? And it just looks like you know Luke's moving the team better, but time will tell with Coach Frost. They've got to win the gig, either one of them, uh, in, in practice this week. Maybe you go with more of an Ohio State setup with both of them playing versus Luke watching till the fourth quarter. It's been a bit perplexing here, not only with – managing that personnel but but the inability to get downfield big plays and of course brad the red zone's been kryptonite for nebraska football yeah i think at this stage uh and i'm not saying this is any different from what frost has done uh, all the way but you go with the guy who's going to give you the best chance to win because at this point you are in more need of of a win and a strong finish to the season than you are trying to you know, trying to trying to preserve anyone's confidence, if anyone even has any confidence right. at this stage. You know, so it's 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 not about uh, it's not about anyone's feelings or um, you know or, or trying to build something for next year. Because I guess in theory you would have either one of them back next year. Um, but but who's gonna who's gonna give you a chance to win this game and and help you finish the season strong? And it might be both of them, but it also might be you know that that it's clearly one over the other. So. We'll see what direction he does, but I would assume that that's his mindset, is that it's all about beating Penn State and whoever gives you the best chance to do it. And uh, you know what? I, I know Penn State's 0-3, but it's still Penn State. And I think a win in this game would do a lot for Nebraska's confidence moving forward um, because um, you know you, you know what kind of talent that they have on that roster, even if some of those guys are out right now. And uh, to beat a team like that is still going to feel good, even even if Maryland just did it the week before. Brad, really quick, I want to stick in the Big Ten, but I want to ask you about this Ohio State game. Uh, and the, the game announced canceled this morning, uh, Ohio State-Maryland, but uh, self-proclaimed uh, Twitter college football insider Sir Yacht. Um, he's been known to be... You're going uh, <laughs> yacht here. <laughs> I am. Brad's going to hang up. He just tweeted uh, that that Ohio State and Alabama football programs have been in discussions uh, for game Saturday, but both sides consider it unlikely. And uh, do, do you think he's just tweeting off into the wind here? Do you think there's something to that, Brad? Um, I, didn't didn't the Big Ten answer that question for us a few weeks ago for Nebraska? Yeah. You know? This is Ohio I mean, State, so it may be a different answer. Well, I mean, the thing, how can – yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like, you, you know, once, once you already made that decision as a conference, you can't go back. And, of course, the other thing is, what would what would the point in that be for either team? Oh, exactly. Because I mean, at this stage, all you're doing is you're risking a loss that's completely unnecessary when you're probably both going to get into the playoff if you keep things as is. So that that as much as we would love to see it, <laughs> you know, un, unless unless the um, the selection committee is is willing to give them uh, what's the uh, what's what's the what's the word they use in legal terms when you're uh, when you're when you're being given uh, uh, protection against being prosecuted for something. Immunity. Um, immunity, <laughs> yes. Unless the selection committee is willing to give, grant them immunity 
from 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 any uh, negative ramifications for a loss, then I don't know why they would have any interest in playing the game. There we go. We we got our question. And Brad Edwards with us, uh, ESPN College Football Insider, part of College Game Day. Brad, uh, well, I know there's a lot canceled, but uh, we'll get caught up next week and recap it all. Thanks for chatting some ball with us. Always fun to say hi and get caught up. You got it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the weekend. You too. Take care. There he is. Off the top rope, Elijah says, you know, the yacht says. Love it. All right. uh, Penn State Insider and part of the program. Jay Paterno up next. Don't want to miss this on Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, excited to preview Nebraska-Penn State. We welcome in a longtime assistant at Penn State, quarterback for the Nittany Lions. And uh, tell you what, his book is uh, really awesome if you're a college football fan. Hot Seat, a year inside college football's pressure cooker. We welcome back Jay Paterno. Jay, thanks for a few minutes. How's your week going? Oh, great. Uh, hopefully this game comes off without a hitch. That's what we're thinking. And you had an earlier report from Onward State, Penn State student newspaper. Uh, six more student-athlete COVID cases at Penn State. That doesn't specify specifically to football. But I'm just doing the math in crazy 2020 COVID, especially with the Ohio State-Maryland announcement. Uh, what's your view on things? Uh, and it's hard to get a, an accurate answer. Or isn't it in 2020 with COVID? Yeah, we we had a board uh, board of trustees. I'm on Penn State's board of trustees, yes. and uh, Monday night we got an update. And uh, on our campus, it looks like our numbers are have really come down. They're stabilized campus wide. So I would assume that you know we're doing well in the athletic department. And you know we've over 800 athletes, uh, so six out of 800 is probably. Uh, not enough to tip any scales as it relates to football. But again, it's 2020. Who knows? Well, that's good news uh, as we speak now. And uh, Jay, you know, I want to get your thoughts. You're uh, a guy that knows Penn State so well, and and you watched the, the Maryland game. Let's start there. As you look at things, being on that sideline as a player and as a coach, what's going on with Coach Franklin's crew this season? You know, it's a mystery. I mean, this was a team that when the season started, it looked like the offensive line was going to be a strength. And, you know, Maryland came into the game in two games with one sack, and they got to our quarterback seven times and an eighth on a two-point conversion, which doesn't count in the stats of the stack. There was, you know, a lot of people talked about the defense being really, really good, and that's obviously not been the case. I think the most concerning thing is this, is that in 2004 when I was coaching, we struggled. Uh, and But – our defense never gave up more than 21 points in any game. So you could point to that and say there's some hope because we've got a strength on this team that we can be in games. But right now, uh, Penn State's surrendering a lot of points on defense, having trouble scoring on offense. And granted, they played, you know, Indiana, who's turned out to be a really good team, and Ohio State, obviously, is who Ohio State is. Mm-hmm. The real shocker was the Maryland game when suddenly you're down 35-7. And that's, uh, you know, 
we went uh, from 1961 to 2014, didn't lose to Maryland ever, and played them 24, 25 times. So uh, that, that's, this one's a little bit of it sticks in a lot of people's craw. Jay Paterno's with us, uh, trustee at Penn State, former assistant coach and uh, quarterback at Penn State. His book, Hot Seat, a year inside college football's pressure cooker. We're previewing Penn State, Nebraska. So is it just that, and, and you guys have had some opt-outs, uh, uh, and, and injury, so that that's an issue. But when it comes to confidence, is that something you're you're sensing? Is this team, yeah, you're zero and three, but is there a, a belief issue? And I flip it around in Nebraska, uh, they're zero and two. They need something good to happen, and I. It's just been a struggle for for the Big Red this year. But uh, when you look at your own own squad, uh, is there some doubt in that locker room with some of the kids? Well, you know, I, I not really haven't been in the locker room. I can't really say for certain. Mm-hmm. But the body language when you watch this team on TV is not good. And that's something that I, as a coach, when I was coaching, always looked at is how are the kids kind of carrying themselves uh, during the game when things aren't going well. And the body language has not been very, very good. On the flip side, I watched the Nebraska. I do a TV show every week where I break down the opponent. And I've been watching Nebraska on the sideline Saturday. Did not sense that at all. In fact, uh, you know, Northwestern's a better team than people realize. But, you know, Nebraska's a program that over the years would think that they would dominate a program like Northwestern. But even when they were struggling, you know, the Nebraska kids fought all the way down till the end of that game and looked like they would have a chance to do something. And, you know, the McCaffrey switch seems seemed to spark some things. And, you know, as a Penn State fan, I'm, this, is a, this is a nervous game for me, for all of us, because it's a must-win for us, but it's a must-win for Nebraska, too. And when you have a program with the kind of pride they have playing at home in a must-win situation, it's a very, very dangerous thing. Jay, when an offense starts to struggle, the first person to take the blame is usually the quarterback. Nebraska's felt that in the past week uh, with the Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey quarterback battle going into this Saturday. Uh, but there's been some talk around Sean Clifford uh, for Penn State this week as well, right? What's, what's the quarterback situation for Penn State going into this game? Well, Clifford, it sounds like Clifford's going to start. And, you know, there's been some talk about playing uh, Levis, his backup. But, again, we'll see how that unfolds. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as you look at it, you know, the quarterback always takes the blame for this stuff. And, you know, and Clifford uh, missed a couple of passes they normally would hit in that game early on when they got behind. But uh, in his defense, I mean, he has had trouble getting people have had trouble getting open for him and the and the offensive line the pass rush has been on him i mean like i said he got sacked seven times saturday and it's hard to really really be uh effective when you're getting hit that much and at the end of the day he set a school record throwing 57 passes and uh when you're playing a team like maryland who had been giving up 290 something yards a game rushing and you throw 57 passes uh you got a lot of other issues behind besides just your quarterback jay paterno's with us he's a trustee at penn state uh for former assistant coach at Penn State and quarterback to the Nittany Lions from 86 through 1990. His book, Hot Seat, A Year Inside College Football's Pressure Cooker. So how much um, issue has there been with this transition? I know Penn State went out and hired away Minnesota's offensive coordinator. Has there been a disconnect? Has there been some growing pains with the new OC with Clifford? Or is it just a matter of being down too many big-time players, uh, either on the line or a running back? You mentioned the offensive line. What do you kind of put your finger on here with, with the new OC and this returning starter at quarterback? 
Well, the new offensive system is not that drastically different from what they had, so that should not be a real issue in terms of X's and O's and plays and execution, that kind of stuff. Obviously, there's some terminology that's different. Um, it just seems like you know there are some dumb penalties. The offense line's been healthy and, for whatever reason, does not seem to be able to handle some things they're seeing. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what it is. Now, losing two running backs doesn't help. But, you know, when you have a veteran line, I mean, there were years back, you know, you go back to the Nebraska teams of, of old. Uh, I could have played tailback and run for 120 yards in behind some of those lines. So, I mean, you hope that you've developed that kind of line because we have some senior guys on that that line that should be able to enable a freshman or a young running back to have some success. It just not, it just has not happened yet. Jay, uh, a thought with, with James Franklin. And I mean, you've lived uh, the, the, the Penn state, uh, pressure cooker yourself i mean uh, growing up uh, like you did you know how's james franklin rolling with this 0-3 start well at his press conference yesterday he talked about some things personally and it, it, you know it seems like um you know he was kind of venting there just you know because uh he just seems like and i don't want to say things are getting to him but you know obviously when you're 0-3 no one's happy so that's just reality and uh, but i you know he's an upbeat guy he's generally very very positive um, in fact, that may be one of the things that's a drawback to him because, you know, he he talks very positively about his team in the off season, and sometimes fans take that optimism and they stretch it as far as they want to dream when the reality may not be the same. So, you know, you know, for years uh, when I worked for for my dad Joe Paterno, you know, he always said, "Look, undersell and over deliver, and you'll always have happy fans." He said they'll be unhappy with you during the off season, but if they're happy during the season, that's far more important. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and, and it's smart. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, if you tell, you tell everybody you're terrible, I mean, Lou Holtz was did it that whole generation. I mean, you would have thought they none of them would ever win a game, and so when they'd come out and go ten and two, people were happy. Um, whereas when you promise people a college football playoff, where you talk about that and you don't make it, and that's a high bar, uh, people were rightfully going to complain. Plus, I think the other thing that's changed is the money has gotten so big that people's people's patience is much less when they know your head coach is making six million or five million or seven million and they're saying, you know, you're making seven million dollars, you gotta start performing like that. So so there's a lot of different pressures that are on now. Jay Paterno with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, I want to go to the defensive side of the ball for a second. One of the best players in all of the Big Ten, Micah Parsons, opting out before the season started. How much has Penn State missed his presence on the defensive side of the ball this year? Well, unless he could play safety and corner, uh, it probably wouldn't help that much because we're, we're we're just having trouble with the pass game. Um, we're not getting the generating the kind of pass rush that that Penn State has had the last couple of years, and as such, people have had the ability to throw the ball downfield. I mean, uh, you know, Maryland's quarterback had a great day. Uh, Justin Fields had a great day, and after the first half, when he struggled, Penix from Indiana uh, made just a couple of really just took the took the ball down the field down eight points went 75 yards and and hit some just amazing passes so you know we we've got to do a better job stopping stopping the pass game but again people have also been able to run the ball against us and that's another reason for Nebraska fans to be optimistic and Penn State fans to be pessimistic is that the running quarterbacks and the run game has been a problem for us as well as the pass game and if Nebraska can come out and run the football effectively it's going to be a long night for Penn State or a long afternoon I should say Jay- 
Jay Paterno's with us. Jay, a couple of minutes here. Uh, you've, you've laid out just where some fear may be if you're a Penn State fan, but your gut says what? Give me a key or two and a prediction on Saturday, if you would, and then where can folks get your book? I don't want to predict, you know, I'm going to predict Penn State wins because I'm a Penn State homer. <laughs> so, you know, that's coming. Um, but I, I, the, the things that I think that will be critical is, is our turnovers. Penn State is minus five on the year. And, you know, during Masters week, by, minus five is what you want to be, but not in football. And, you know, with the, you know so uh, that's been bad for us. And we're not generating, part of that is we're not generating in terms. I mean, we had two turnovers against Indiana, and it's been nine quarters since we had a turnover. Uh, got a turnover on defense. So that's going to be a problem. And I know that's also been a little bit of a problem for Nebraska. Um, but I would say early in that game, if Nebraska can run the ball north and south with their tailback as well as what, no, no matter who it is. I mean, the, the one guy I would not want to see, and this is no disrespect to Martinez, is uh, – when McCaffrey gets to the end of a run, I mean, he is very physical, so I would get out of his way myself. Um, but, you know, if Nebraska can run the ball and hold on to it and not make critical turnovers, uh, I think it's going to be a real real uphill climb for Penn State to win out there. That's, that's my concern, but I still think uh, I'm hoping Penn State gets this thing you know, get some things corrected and holds on to the football and makes the kind of plays they're capable of making can come home with the win. And as for the book hot seat, it's available on Amazon or also at my website, which is jvpaterno.com. And uh, if you order from me, you can get it signed and put all put anything in you want. And uh, But you can get it on Amazon and jvpaterno.com. Jay, this was too short a time, man, but it was so much fun to get caught up and, and preview Nebraska, Penn State. And we'll give you a shout down the road and, and do this again. Thanks for a few minutes. Sounds great, and I hope, uh, hope it's a really good afternoon for everybody. Both teams played really, really well, and we'll see who wins. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut pre-teen Swedish boy. Back for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, and Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. A Jock Doc Wednesday with ESPN and Hale Bar City. Dr. Ben, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? My pleasure, Chris. I'm doing good. Yourself? Doing all right. How uh, how cranked up are NBA players to get back to work in late December? <laughs> Hopefully they are. I don't know. Just getting done and then starting all over. It's about as quick a turnaround as you can have. It is, and uh, that's one concern here when it comes to the NBA's looking to get a 72 regular game season in. Training camps will get moving December 1st. And uh, from a medical standpoint, uh, Dr. Ben, you know, talk to me a little bit about some of the concerns and, and potential overuse injury you, you may see. And I know pro athletes really do take care of their body. Uh, that said, um, it, it's such a quick turnaround. I'm wondering what, what injuries we could maybe see creep up here with not as much time off between seasons. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, you take the NBA compared to even the NFL, and their season is so much longer, you know, playing the 82 games there. They're going at it, you know, I don't know if I'd say a lot harder, but just for a longer amount of time. And then to have that quick turnaround and do it all over again, um, it just doesn't really give the body that natural rest time. Um, you know, that off season for a lot of these guys, you know, they go so hard during the 
during the season that the off season does matter for recovery. You know, it's a real big period of uncharted territory, and uh, we're looking at the NBA resuming action. Uh, Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Uh, when I look at, at just the, the stresses on an NBA body, you've got not only the, the cardio that's massive and, and guys are in good shape, especially now with the tempo of things, Dr. Ben, but also guys are just yoked. I mean, they're bigger. It's not... I wouldn't say the NBA is more physical now than the Jordan era. I think the complete opposite. But I think guys are hitting the weight room. They're eating better. I mean, it's uh, it, it's a different NBA. But with uh, with injury in the NBA, what's 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 kind of a common uh, thing you see creep up with the NBA? Foot, ankle, uh, knee. I mean, what are some things that? that could uh, could exacerbate here with this shrunken offseason? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're looking most likely at a lot of overuse type of tendonitis injuries, setting yourself up for these injuries that, you know, these guys are going so hard and, and they get this muscle fatigue and they never really get this full resting of a couple months that they get in the offseason. And so their body, you know, it's I think it's more apt to break down and it certainly can place them at a higher risk of an injury. Um, you know, nowadays in 2020, these guys, they have nutritionists, they have specific eating regimens, you know, they're bulking up in the off season. And so they're kind of bypassing that whole off season where they really use that time to regroup for their body, get their muscle cells to heal. And, um, it'll be interesting because a lot of those guys that do that routinely, you know, they're not going to have that time. And, you know, in this day and age, that is a component of that is what helps separate a lot of these higher-level athletes. When we talk overuse, and I, I'm thinking uh, a lot of the lower body side of things, when you're 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 going, you're drifting laterally on a screen and roll or a hard cut right off of that screen. If you're a big man, and then not only the physical wear and tear. Uh, you take getting to the rim, but also, you know, when it comes to overuse, um, you know, what are some some overuse potentials here? I mean, with with your shooting motion, is it is it the the, the knees and the stresses on your knees, or and I know guys like blow through shoes; they go through hundreds of pairs of shoes yeah. a season, and how how vital feet are. Uh, I mean, is that is that kind of the, the head, shoulders, knees, and toes circle we're talking about here, those parts of the body? Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, the knees, you got your patellar tendons that can get irritated, your Achilles tendons. I mean, you can just have overuse-type injuries from being on your body a lot more than you are. You know, basketball, not as not as much as like a baseball or a football where you're getting shoulder and elbow type of injuries, but, um, you know, certainly a lot more lower body, lower extremity type of injuries. Um, and just from a cardiovascular standpoint, you know, these guys are just going, going, going. And when you um, fatigue your muscles out and um, you're not getting the appropriate rest in that off season, it just your whole kind of kinetic chain is at a higher risk for having injuries. And so I think that's, you know, I think it could be anything um, just when your body doesn't get that really that off season to uh, kind of regroup. That's what puts you, that puts you in an injury prone state. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us a couple more minutes at Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. We're talking NBA as they are set to uh, get back to training camp in early December. 
uh, late December start to the season. The hope is a 72-game season. A lot of squads with a lot of vets are probably going to rest their 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 uh, their vets the first part of the season, or at least early on, or maybe give them some more time, uh, which is completely understandable. Uh, when you look at some other sports, Doctor Ben, um, with with the NBA, they're going to see how this works. Uh, with the NFL uh, and Major League Baseball, touch on just the importance, if you could. Uh, with some of these other sports, with with just what what you know of uh, pro athletes doing to kind of regenerate their body during the off season. I mean, typically you've got about 140 days between uh, end of season if you get to the finals to when they traditionally started end of November December. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're looking at two different kind of scenarios with baseball and football. You know, you're getting a little bit different type of injuries. Football is just such a violent sport. So um, the injuries that you get in football, you know, it's more of the trauma type, you know. Um, but when you're weak and maybe you're not completely recovered, it's going to place you at a little more risk there. Um, but those are more of the violent type of injuries. And so like baseball, which is similar to basketball in the sense that those guys are playing so many games, they're – doing so much throwing and so much overuse type of injuries that, you know, you're kind of at a little bit too separate risk for the recovery period just from the standpoint that that you are doing so much type of uh, overuse type of activities as a baseball player. But the football, you know, those type of in- injuries, I think they're completely unavoidable just because of the contact aspect of the sport. Dr. Ben, when it comes to recovery for NBA guys, is it, cold tub is it anti-inflammatory i mean what what are some of some of the precautions these guys can take and do take and is more better with the with the post-game precautions when it comes to healing your body up can, can you ice more can you take more advil can you typically get more rest to offset some of this wear and tear some of this mileage yeah i think uh, with the shortened off season i think almost completely shutting down these off seasons i think it would be super helpful i think you know it's a fine line though because when you start going back full bore um you don't want to be out of shape at the same time so i think it's going to be a fine line in this transition period where they're resting but yet at the same time they're trying to get prepped up and so um i certainly think going back back at it slowly is important with that Dr. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking the NBA as they are going to get back at it in December, a short window to rest, and we'll see what effect that has. Dr. Ben, thanks for the time today. Hey, appreciate it, Chris. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday tomorrow. We are loaded up. Excited to chat. Uh, some more Penn State football. Hopefully their COVID numbers stay the hell away from red zone. But uh, if you have time, check out the Jay Paterno interview, ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand. And for sure, get uh, get and follow the ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle. Uh, Elijah will have part of the two-minute drill up with Jay Paterno. But good insight on on Penn State and what the heck the Lions are going through. 
So uh, that is there. Download the show. Give us a review. Subscribe to us, Hail Varsity Radio, and can do so all the different platforms. iTunes, of course, HailVarsity.com, Heard at Media. There's a plethora and uh, platform for uh, all sorts of podcasts you like. Uh, get us on Spotify. <laughs> get us on Spotify. Elijah. Done. I know it's done. I'm just, I'm just reminding you that we're on <laughs> Spotify now. And, and then Google Play is, is also it. So wherever you listen, however you listen, uh, take us with pretty good stuff. So um, we are going to be at Piedmontese this Friday, Roadshow, Jay Moore and me and Elijah. What I'm going to try and do is if they give us some more of that incredible sausage or bratwurst or kielbasa, I'm going to bring you some. You're the best. Bring you a picture of one. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, Go for it. No, as I say, Piedmontese, 84th, North 84th, right kind of catty corner from the uh, Lancaster Event Center. Piedmontese, the Mercado is is where we're at. It's the mother of all butcher shops. Great chops, great steaks, great, uh, incredible meat. Sounds yes. like the perfect place to celebrate the commitment of Bryce McGowan's. I'm calling my shot. You are? Well, I'm calling you, my shot. You have, like, everybody, lo- you, you get your dirty little pipeline to Wisconsin. Uh, with just people and tentacles everywhere in the Big Ten. I know you do. I, I have no inside information on this no, one. No, you don't. You're just saying, give me a five-star, damn it, right now. It'd be the, well, I'd put it down as the, the biggest commitment in the history of Nebraska basketball. Oh, yeah? I mean, this guy's got one and done written all over him. That's fine. I'm, I'm taking the Japanese Steph Curry today, which is great for Nebraska. And Wilhelm Breidenbach, part of the all-name team. Wilhelm. Love that. Wilhelm for three. I love anybody playing in the sports goggles. That's I can awesome. hear Pavelka now. Some sort of German-influenced nickname. Wilhelm for three. Wow. Got it. I mean, I'm just I'm already seeing what Fred Hoiberg's building, and I'm excited. Uh, despite the results of the year last year, what he's building for the future. If he can, I mean, what teams in the Big Ten recruit one Dude, of Dude, if I had to put up with that team last year... Right. I mean, the JUCO kids I brought in and their maturity level and their commitment, they had talent. They were good. But their commitment and maturity level, I would have been drunk all week. (laughs) I would have been just blasted on the sideline. I mean, do you remember uh, the the Big Ten tournament whenever you had Hoiberg over there and everyone thought he had COVID? Maybe he was just drunk. No. Freddie Freddie doesn't do it that way. He's he's (laughs) awesome. And for him to get through the stomach flu... (laughs) watching that team, and then still stick it out in Chicago. God love him. Buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska aren't wearing a seatbelt. The best defense. Buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Back at you tomorrow uh, at 4 o'clock with Hale Varsity. See ya.